Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hey there, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. We're looking at Psalm 45 this week, just going right through this amazing wedding song, it's love a, song. It's an old-fashioned love song. The, yeah, and it doesn't get you much older than than a psalm. Does than it? Psalm forty five. There's there's not a song you've heard on the radio that's older than this one. I can tell you that. I've been enjoying the different translations. I've been noticing maybe a few differences here and there as the translators approach the text. Sure. What are you going to read from today? Today I'm going to read from the Lexham Psalm forty five for the music director, according to the Lilies of the Sons of Korah, a mascal, a song of love. My heart is moved with a good word. I recite my compositions to the king. My tongue is the pen of a skilled scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of humankind. Grace is poured out on your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty, and in your majesty ride victoriously because of truth and humility and righteousness, and let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp. Peoples fall under you in the midst of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you from among your companions with festive oil. All your robes robes are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From the palaces of ivory, stringed instruments gladden you. King's daughters are among your noble ladies. The queen stands at your right hand in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and discern, and incline your ear, and forget your people and your father's house. Let the king desire your beauty, because he is your lord. Therefore bow down to him. Even the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich from among people will seek your favor." The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her garment is of gold and embroidered cloth. She is brought to the king in colorful garments. The young women behind her, her attendants are being brought to you. They are led with joy and gladness. They enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers will be your sons. You will make them princes in all the land. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, peoples will praise you forever and ever. This psalm has been enjoyable for me because we didn't wait till Friday to start talking about Jesus in the psalm, uh, seeing him as the son, seeing him as the king, seeing him as the warrior king. And uh, even on Monday, making the the observations of where this psalm appears in the book of Hebrews and, mm. and in New Testament teaching. So today, though, we're going to talk about the bride, talk about the queen pictured in this psalm. Yeah, it shifts from talking about the groom to talking about the bride. Right there in verse 9, it references the queen in gold of Ophir standing at the king's right hand. And then it starts addressing her in verse 10. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. So some remarkable things that jump out to me about this queen. One is that she is pictured as beautiful and ornate, and people are um, appreciating her. Um, verse 12 is something, that the daughters of Tyre come with a gift. The rich among the people seek your favor. Um, Tyre was actually not a city of Israel. This is one of the Gentile cities. This is true. Yet Tyre had a reputation of being very wealthy. Yes, 
So it, here's the the wealthiest nation around us mm-hmm. is going to be bringing gifts mm-hmm. to you. This is somewhat reminiscent of Solomon receiving gifts from the king of Tyre to help build the temple. Yep, yep. And so we've got this this picture being being drawn of these gifts from the nations pouring in mm-hmm. to the marriage of mm-hmm. the king of Israel, not only to the king but also to his bride. His bride his bride. And so she has beautiful clothing. She has gold. The nations are honoring her and bringing their presents. That's something I observe about this bride. Mm -hmm. Something else I notice about this bride is how she needs to be thinking of her role with this king and Mm -hmm. being married to this king. Verse 10 jumps out at me. Uh, Consider and incline your ear Forget your own people also and your father's house, so the king will be greatly, uh, or the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your lord. Worship him. This idea of of making the king and the king's family your family, that there aren't going to be these mixed loyalties, I guess, with whatever she's coming from, this is a new beginning and a new family with the king and the king's way. It's not 100% clear, but most of the people that talk about this psalm view it as as a, a royal wedding. It's, mm. the, it's the wedding between the king of Israel and some princess from another land, which was very often what would happen in these weddings. That's surprising to me, since that's not what's supposed to happen. Yet at the same time, that is what did happen right. very often. And, and so what you're talking about there is with the law of Moses, something specifically kings were not to do. Well, kings were not supposed to multiply wives. Multiply wives. And then the Israelites themselves were not supposed That's to marry right. outside the nation of Israel. Right. So we've wow. got a law for everyone in Israel that they're okay. not supposed to marry foreigners. Kings are not supposed to multiply wives no matter who they're marrying. Okay. However, but, but like you said, it happened quite a bit. What happened quite a bit was this political marriage of these these covenants that were made. And so I think the reason a lot of folks see this as this kind of wedding is that she is called queen even as they're on their way to the wedding. Okay, so she already has a title and a role perhaps from some other place. It seems like that. It seems like that. So that's a possibility. I don't want to rule that out altogether. In fact, there's a part of me that doesn't wonder, verse 10, if this is not really what gets us ultimately down to the true wisdom of this psalm. Mm -hmm. That the true, and in fact, some people have tried to claim not only is this a royal psalm, but it's a wisdom psalm. And if we wanted to bring it into that, I think we see right here, here is this bride, forget your people and your father's house. Mm-hmm. You're coming over here. Mm-hmm. You're you're coming into our land. You're coming into our country. And if what we're dealing with right now is kind of this this mixing of God had a law, but mm-hmm. hey, we're writing a poem for a king who's doing something else. How, how is this going to work? I'll tell you how it's going to work. You have to become one of us because mm-hmm. we're not allowed to be married to foreigners. Right. And one of the things that for me allows that to work even remotely is Ruth. Sure. When I think about Ruth, who was a Moabitess, uh-huh, uh-huh. she she was not allowed in the assembly of God's people as far as God's law was concerned. In fact, her children, her children's children, her children's 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 children, up like to the 10th generation, were not supposed to be a part of the congregation of God's people. And yet her great-grandson ends up being king of God's people. Right. How did that work? Well, 
I think it worked because she forgot her people and she forgot her father's house. Mm. The the great declaration that she makes to Naomi in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Now that's a great connection. I mean, that sounds almost exactly like Psalm 45. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. So saying to to this bride, leave your father's house, leave your father's people, forget that nation, come be a part of our nation. Because here is Ruth, who really is a queen among God's people. And I do put that in quotes because I understand she was not royalty as far as that was concerned, but she is David's great grandmother. Yeah. And what allowed this? What allowed this seeming violation of the law? God allowed it. Why? Because here is this foreigner who comes in and says, "You're go- I'm, I'm going to follow your God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a part of your people. I'm leaving all of that behind. I'm forgetting all of that. Israel is being taught by a foreigner how to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what this psalm is doing is calling the bride of the king to teach Israel how to be faithful mm-hmm. to the Lord. So we've been talking about how the king pictures for us Jesus in several different ways in the New Testament. I'm guessing we're going to see another parallel, (laughs) and that is with this queen, with this bride. Of course, there is a bride of Christ talked about in the New Testament, and that is his church. These amazing parallels I see coming across as we we build the bridge for a couple of minutes here. First, with the... um, amazing array of how this queen is um, celebrated in this marriage time, Um, the shift in people and identification. Yeah, I just see all kinds of parallels going on with Christ and his church. Ephesians 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and to the church however let each one of you love his wife as himself let the wife see that she respects her husband. Why did God start marriage? Why did he institute marriage? Here is why. Because marriage is about Christ and his church. This is why all the way back with Adam and Eve, marriage begins because God in marriage itself wanted to present to us Jesus Christ and his church. The problem is Our marriages so rarely present Jesus Christ and his church. Our marriages today. Yeah. Well, marriages in general, I think throughout history. I'm not sure that there's been great numbers of marriages (laughs) that have represented Christ and his church, but that's what it's supposed to do. 
That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to represent this this leading and this sacrificing of Jesus Christ and the submission and the following and the and the support of the church for the king. That's what marriage is supposed to represent. It yes, it is wonderful that it provides us with companionship. Yes, it's wonderful that it can be a means of of some emotional fulfillment, but ultimately the reason for marriage is to present Jesus Christ and his church. That's what it's all about. And we see even here in Psalm 45, this this is what's supposed to happen as the bride is taught, be this example for the entire nation. Yeah. Be glorious. Uh, that's the word that stuck out to, to my ear when you look at Ephesians 5 and all that Jesus has done to prepare this bride, uh, that she's washed and she's cleansed and without blemish. It is a glorious church. Mm. And all of the preparation for this queen in Psalm 45 with the beautiful robes, with the jewels and the gold and all of this, is that she is glorious. I mean, when you were reading Ephesians 5, there's like, I think Psalm 45 might be the Ephesians 5 of the Old Testament. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just uh, incredible, the parallels there. In fact, what we discover when we connect Ephesians with Psalm 45 is the fact that why is this bride decked out as she is? Because the king has paid the way for her to be presented to him in this magnificent fashion, which mm. is what our king is doing for us, his church. Absolutely. When you were reading at the first of uh, Ephesians 5 and verse 22 and following, this idea of the headship of the king or the headship of the husband uh, to the wife, that was certainly here in Psalm 45 and verse 11. Because he is your Lord, worship him, or because he is your Lord, follow him, submit to him. We're out of time, but there's one other thing I have to say, and that is there's this other side of this picture, and we find it in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Forget your father's house. Mm. Forget the peoples. You've come out of the world to be a part of the bride of Christ. Do not go back to the things of the world. Do not mix and mingle. Because if what I want to do is bring in the world to this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, I'm an adulteress. Mm. I'm an adulterer. On that wedding day, you want to be consumed with your bride and the bride with the husband, not uh, looking at other places, not uh, attempting to adultery. Yep. Appreciate so much you join us for the conversation today. We've got one more on Psalm 45, so I hope you'll be back with us tomorrow. Send us an email. Let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org is that email. We love to read them. Edwin, would you give us a word of prayer? Holy God, we love you and we praise you, and we're thankful for your son, our king, the groom of the bride, his church, and we are thankful that we get to be a part of that bride, that we get to be a part of that city, that we get to be a part of that kingdom. We're thankful that he is a warrior who protects and preserves and defends and defeats our enemies. And we are thankful that we get to be a part of the bride who is going to be presented to him in eternity without blemish and without spot. Lord, forgive us because too often we turn back to the world. Remove the world from within us. Take the world out of our hearts. May we be true and faithful and loyal to our King Jesus. It's through him we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. 
I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.